Before we get started with this next episode, if you'd like to support the podcast, please visit anchor.fm forward slash Lilith's Left Hand. There are links for the new website, lilithsleftthand.com, where you can follow the blog and any other happenings at Lilith's Left Hand. You can share on various social media through the Anchor site, and please consider subscribing there at any of your favorite podcatchers and rate and review us if the opportunity exists for you anything you can do to support the show would be greatly appreciated take good care of yourself Welcome back to Lilith's Left Hand Podcast. Uh, I am a co-host here today, Jessica, and I'm here with my favorite person, Hello. Emma. Oh, <laughs> hello. <laughs> Emma and I want to talk about what well, we were just discussing, like, what are we going to say the topic is? is but there are so many words for the topic of duality yes so many and like I feel like it's one of those awkward things that is going to mean different things to different people you know well and it relates to (laughs) so much stuff right yes it really does and I think it's important I think it's an important topic to discuss just because you know, I feel people just get stuck in one way of seeing things. You know, we always take the one way. And it's, I suppose it comes down to human nature, but there's so many varied and exciting ways of looking at stuff. Yeah, and it's so important for everything, but including magic and witchcraft and and all of these ideas of, like, good and bad right it's either good or it's bad um you know but the thing is we need to learn that there is a lot of nuance in between one and the other like it's light or dark it's good or bad and you find yourself falling into that trap as well I do it all the time and then like if we're talking about I don't know magic that might be considered dark and then you say dark magic and then when I speak to people about it I find myself saying but when I say dark I mean and then I have to have a full conversation about what I mean when I say dark because I hate using those terms like dark and light yes yeah so there is this polarity type stuff that we're going to talk about and then there's also which is like you know looking at opposites and but they're opposites of the same thing right yes. so that's really interesting yeah and we also like, want to oh, and we also <laughs> just want to talk about duality um which I think is uh really ties in nicely at that and you know in the end or, and and I'm talking about duality too like of of gender not sex but of energy the sun the moon we could say masculine feminine the duality of that um so 
because we're all the same thing right so let me ask you I feel like Mm -hmm. what when you say duality what do you mean I think you kind of touched on it there but I feel like it's good to have these explanations of what we mean when we say these words yeah so I guess the polarity part I am thinking about Mm -hmm. the nuanced thought right yeah that everything is like there is temperature Mm mm-hmm it could be hot, it could be cold, but it's all the temperature. Yeah, right? yeah, and it's subjective, um, isn't it? Because it, who's to say what's hot and what's cold? Where does cold start becoming hot? Yes, and it's, yes. And then there is, like, this idea of opposites. And this is really obvious in things like astrology, right? So mm-hmm. if you have a planet in one place, um, what is the opposite on your like you're looking at your birth chart and what is where is the opposite of that planet and so then you're looking at things you know in opposition to each other that help each other out and um and inversions of things like so yeah I'm like this is so there's so many good words that kind of all relate to this one thing but it's a billion it's so funny because I'm like it relates to this one thing in a million (laughs) ways yes and that is actually quite true what you've just said because when I think of duality you know we obviously when we say duality what comes to mind is two opposing forces or two different forces but then in my mind when I'm thinking about duality am I actually thinking about just two different things because for instance so I am an initiate I practice um voodoo voodoo um whatever you want to call it I practice that and what can often be confusing is that you have lots of different lower and so when we talk about you know, a specific lower, what people don't necessarily understand is there are different aspects of that lower. You know, there's more than one Azuli, for example. There are several, you know, and each of them are different from one another in certain ways. But there's more than what? Well, there's more than two. There's quite a few of them, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? So each one of those has a different focus or a different energy. So for me, when I speak about duality, it's more than just two it's I don't know (laughs) and that's why it's so important and that's why we wanted to talk about it and those in this first three groupings of like grounding shadow work and duality because this idea I think and I I don't know for everybody but I can only speak for myself um everything is either it's like good or bad black or white Um, and we're made to like made being not forced but like we are as we grow up um, we are like putting these things into categories and we're not even subcategorizing them and then like linking them with other things we're just like good bad and and that is actually not helpful (laughs) for like a magical practice a meditation practice or like really knowing yourself yeah I don't think it's helpful in life generally (laughs) right but because we are so it's I think that we're more like that now well I don't know people used to burn witches or healers because they thought like they needed a scapegoat so I guess like it's not more now, but I guess I was thinking with 
computers, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and computer programming, you know, you're you're programming things with ones and zeros. You have to pick something. And so we have been programmed in the same way. Yeah. You know, I work in my day job. I work in a autism specific SEN school. And actually what we you know, and I say I work in an autistic school, but a lot of the, the things we do with our pupils would massively benefit um, neurotypical children. But because they're in mainstream school, they don't get that side of things. So, you know, we work with our pupils and we identify different strategies for when they feel a, a particular way. And we, you know, we allow them to grow up understanding it's okay that they feel all of these different ways. Um and we kind of give the pupils tools to deal with all of those different things. But we accept it, you know. It's so funny because when you say neurotypical, it's like on the outside, you have been conditioned to be quiet about your feelings. Yes. Yeah. And that's neurotypical. Yeah. I, mean, I know, right? <laughs> it's so upsetting. <laughs> They're like the kids that need the extra help to like go through those things. They get all of these tools that are going to help them through their life. Um, but then... A, a lot of the kids that are type like that are termed that would be what we would consider neurotypical yeah. are experiencing those same things. Yeah. Um, and like we learn a lot of ways to, I mean, of course there are lots of kids that learn good ways outlets, yeah. right? Yeah, but there are a lot of us that as we grow up and we're talking about uncomfortable things and we're going to grown ups talking about these uncomfortable things, they don't know how to respond to us and our teachers don't know how to respond to us. And so a lot of us kind of then develop ourselves. Yeah. To, yeah. yeah. Do you know, like, and working in an autism school, it really highlights those things for you because the kids will test you, right? Because they're kids, not just be- not because they're autism, because they're children, they will test you. And it's things like this. They'll, they'll say, they say things to try and test you. And they'll say, I don't know, they try and embarrass you with, things like I don't know they might ask what balls are made of but they're not talking about bouncy balls they're talking about testicles (laughs) but to them it's funny and but actually when you sit down with them and you explain okay the bodies are made up of cells and they're made and actually they become really interested and that leads on to several different things but because most of the time in mainstream school that might not always happen. You might not always have that conversation. No, you're disrupting. And now yeah. I want to teach you this thing. And well, even in sometimes you'll be having like I've seen people and I have experienced this in conversations and people want to talk to you and you're like, wait a second. And you want more information about what they're talking about. Yeah. And then it makes them upset. You're like, like as if you're challenging their ideas. Yeah. Like, no, I'm, I just want to know. I like you're coming from this you're coming from a place where we fundamentally understand the same thing. And I'm telling you that I don't fundamentally understand what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and so that has happened to us all of our lives. Yeah. Where we're just supposed to be quiet and like, we're going to start with this information and work up. And what if the place that you're starting at doesn't align with you? It's hard to, you know, yeah. bring that up. Yeah. And then of course, like you say, you go through life um, thinking that there are two ways of doing things, the right way and the wrong way, the good way and the bad way, you know, 
Um, and we don't always recognize that nuance. And I feel like that bleeds into all areas of our lives. Because for me, you know, all of those areas of our lives, they're not separate. That you know, they happen to us. We are singular beings with all of these different things going on, but we don't always acknowledge that they're all linked because everything's so separate, you know? Yeah, and one decision of, like, what's the right thing or the wrong thing has so many different offshoots that there's so many different considerations um, that only looking at uh, this one experience does not really look at everything. Yes. Um, and we do that to people all the time. And yeah. I think that we do that to the universe all the time as well. Um, so like spirits, good or bad, you know? Yeah. These are bad. Dark darkness, dark magic, it's bad. Yeah. Without yeah. going into like all of the, the nuance. So like, of course, duality, right? We could be talking about um, feminine, masculine, sun, moon, dark, light, yeah. any of these things. And in between either end of that spectrum, mm -hmm. there's a million different colors. Yeah. And so we really need to open up our eyes to see all the colors. Yeah. Because also I think in esoteric occult circles, when we talk about duality, I feel like we start talking in kind of cliches almost. You know? Yeah, especially when you know what you're talking about. Um, and do you know what I mean? Like yes. you say the thing like, know yourself. Yeah. Because you know what I mean and, and I yeah. know what I mean. And <laughs> But here we are and it sounds like cliches yeah. to people that don't understand what we're talking about. Yeah, and I think part of the problem is you have like what I tend to call – I don't know, maybe I'm wrong in thinking of it like this. What I tend to call new ageism is that a lot of um, people, they they use these words, but they are using them in a almost two-dimensional way. They're not meaning them in the way we're having this conversation. They are, And I think, I would just like to say that that goes outside of new age to yeah. all kinds of things. Yeah. Like I'm talking about like religion. So I think yes. that most people talk about this stuff in that way because they haven't, I don't know. I want to say like they haven't had the, the opportunity yeah. to have the revelation yet. Yeah. And I also think there's that part of it, but then I also think there are people who, I don't know, want to, they want to say these words because it makes them sound like they know what they're talking about. I think like people should just be discerning in who they're listening to when they're saying these words. So me and Jessica, before we came online, we had a quick chat about, um, oh, I don't even want to bring myself to say it, twin bloody flames. And I feel oh. like <laughs> that and all the other kind of buzzwords, they get people listening because they're, you know, we've all heard those words, haven't we? We talk about duality and shadow work and journey work. We all, we've all heard those terms. But I think sometimes there's people out there who latch on to those terms and they use them to draw people in, but then they don't really discuss the nuance, which then feeds into the kind of problems we see. Yes, there are a lot of... And, and so, like, it's really important. It just brings it back for me 
to practice and yes. how important it is to have a practice, yes. a practice based on grounding, shadow work, and really exploring the idea of duality, polarity, opposites, inversions. Yeah. And because it's exciting to explore, you know, I feel like we don't put enough effort, well, not enough effort, but we don't necessarily emphasize the enjoying the journey as opposed to just getting to the destination, you know. When we tell people to research or to read up or to kind of explore or to do the thing, you know, enjoy doing all of that shit because it's fun. <laughs> it you And that is really important because I think sometimes people hear the words like awakening and ascension and like it's a huge letdown. Yes. When you realize that you still are here living your life um so maybe you have all this knowledge about how the universe is different than you were conditioned to believe that mm -hmm. it is but um you're still then it feels more stuck in your yeah. life um because you know things that are amazing and true and the world operates in a way that 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 you are like I don't know the the outlander right yeah yeah um <laughs> so you're like living in a different reality and forced to live in someone else's boring reality what is what I think it could feel like yeah so if you don't have a practice yeah it's and, gonna be a huge you know, if you're not if you don't have a practice then you're not doing the work you know I know sometimes that kind of statement can upset folks um, and I think it's important to say that a practice can look like anything. As long as you're doing the thing, it's a practice. Yes, we didn't right? give a ritual <laughs> rules and tell you, we didn't tell you what's good and what's bad. Yeah. We're just saying a practice, something that you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, um, and I think it's important that people are doing stuff because that comes into the experimentation the exploration and just having fun with it like I feel that there's a lot of people um who feel and it is super serious I'm super serious about all of this stuff as you well know but we can enjoy it as well and I feel it's like it's supposed to be fun yes and I feel like and this goes back to duality the things that are serious, we shouldn't really enjoy them because we're taught they're serious and, you know, we have to focus all our energy on it. But yeah, but enjoy it as well, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's that part that sounds always so annoying. Live in the moment. But the truth is, <laughs> we do actually, it's one of those things, one of those words that like you hear people say, live in the moment. And you're like, oh, what does that mean? But it does. It means that you uh, and but now I understand it in a way yeah. that doesn't annoy me. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, and because it's really hard to figure out how to live in the moment if you haven't done your practice, if you don't have a practice. Yeah. Um, and you don't because you're too worried and anxious about what's coming next, you know, to be able yeah. to do that. They don't say like live in the moment. How does one do that? Oh, it's actually um, work 
at first. <laughs> yeah. To live in the moment. You have to actually do a bunch of work. I mean, you can catch yourself living in the moment all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But having that be the enough. Yeah. And, you know, what you go back to what you were saying about work, it's important. You have to put in the work has to be done otherwise you don't have a practice but in putting in the work that's where we draw our experiences from and that's where we begin to see the duality in lots of different things and then you start connecting the dots you know um and And look for teachers that are interested in doing the work just to go back to that one conversation like look for information from people that are doing the work which have I'm telling you, there are centuries worth (laughs) of books written by people doing the work. Yeah. And actually, that's why there's so many books, isn't there? Because they've learned about something and then they want to experience it. And then they write about their experiences, which then in turn, I don't know, influences the next generation of would-be occultists, you know. And it's about doing the work, but also approaching it from an individual perspective yes and reminding yourself to not be so serious yeah about it um because that is stressful and that makes it not fun and what's the point of doing it if it can't be fun I mean of course I am serious about it like I use all kinds of stuff for protection I mean like things for my yeah that make me feel good in my life it's protected um loved all of those things mm-hmm. I am practicing working on those things yeah and it's we talk serious about, but yeah we talk about putting the work in and like in my um a big group I often get my students to start off with very boring exercises you know they're boring and also quite difficult like there's one (laughs) exercise that I get people to do and it is fucking horrible I've been there I've done it it's not nice like it's the one where you start off and I start everyone off with 15 minutes where they have to lie completely still because what you're doing is you're mastering the mind over the body so to speak And, you know, when you're talking about it, it's like, oh, that sounds so easy. But, oh, my God, it's torture. You can guarantee as soon as you start, I don't know, you have an itch or, you know, something. And it's ridiculously hard and also boring. But once you've mastered it, once you've put in the work and you've mastered it, and then, you know, the more you do it and then you can enter those states quite easily, that's when it starts beginning to get fun. Yes, because then that 15 minutes isn't boring anymore. Yeah, it's transformational. Yeah, and I do the same thing. I like, I'm like, you can sit for five minutes in silence. Yeah, and like, it is it is difficult for yeah. for people to start doing when you haven't done it, and um, without rules, like you don't have to think about this, you don't have to fight your thoughts. I mean, like yeah. the literal only homework is to sit in silence for five minutes yeah (laughs) and that is can be difficult uh but it is laying the framework for being able to sit there for five minutes and then you get to and then you are practicing all these things that you're thinking yeah and I feel like whatever exercise is you're doing in terms of um the occult or magic or whatever you want to call it you know 
there's always that element of you have to start off with the boring stuff and it's awful we all you know it's, it's where we have to start because we have to have the foundations right and I just wanted to quickly mention a quick word about teachers and red flags so if you have a teacher or someone who you're thinking perhaps you might want them to kind of guide you and they don't like you asking questions that for me is a massive red flag as a teacher myself, I want my students to come and ask questions. I want them, if I say something that they don't necessarily agree with, I want them to question me, you know. So if you if you approach a teacher with a question or with a different, you know, I don't know, and their response is to get angry or to shut shut that conversation down, for me, that's a massive red, red flag. And I just wanted to put that out there. I agree because... Um on these fool's journey, if you will, Mm -hmm. like, you know, we're all starting that little journey right there by, by doing this thing and starting out with a teacher and, um, you are the student, you are the kid, you are excited about this thing that you want to do and you want to be able to ask questions just like we were talking about. And like, you know, um, a neurotypical school, you can't always ask all those questions. Yeah. And so if you are going to find a mentor for your practice and you get so, a teacher like that, that would be a red flag because you're, we're not working in a neurotypical way yeah. <laughs> anymore. Yeah. We are stepping outside of that space. Yeah, exactly. And I just wanted to touch on that because we've spoken a little bit about teachers and it's one of the things I'm passionate about is finding good teachers you know (laughs) totally which is also why if you want you could just write a book because no (laughs) or read a book sorry I meant read a book um Emma and I earlier were talking about writing a book so but you can read books and then you could just do what it says I mean like so you you know I want to put that out there too because not everybody can afford or find a teacher yeah there are lots of, of resources for that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing wrong with getting a book, reading it, and trying some of the exercises in that book. I mean, if we're honest, that's how most of us start on our yeah. journeys, you know, especially for us older ones, maybe, who didn't have the luxury of having the internet in our homes when we were young. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with reading a book, trying an exercise, and then analyzing why it worked why didn't it work you know it's all part of the journey play with it allow yourself to have that journey of being the kid that is I mean like think about think about it there's all of these amazing fantasy novels about kids learning about that the universe is magic and now you're doing it yeah (laughs) like it's different than in that fantasy novel because it is way more subtle right you're not gonna fly away um (laughs) you will fly away but not in your human body right it's gonna be on a mental level and you're gonna have to accept that we are you know what so this is your chance to have this experience so mm-hmm. it it should be fun and I am saying this because I took I, this was a reminder that I needed constantly for myself um 
I needed to be reminded constantly about taking things less seriously. Um, like I would have journeys a ton and um, monkey would come and I'm like, mm-hmm. what is going on with this? <laughs> my mentor is like, oh my God, you're taking stuff way too seriously. This is like a reminder for you to be more, have more fun. And I was, I was like being way too serious yeah. and I don't. And, and so like you can still sit down every day and practice without it being this serious, super serial, super, super serious thing. There's so many aspects to magic um, that it doesn't always need to be serious, you know. Um, We all practice seriously. And it goes back to what you were just saying, like, you know, when you read the fantasy novels and, okay, real magic, we don't get to fly away in our actual bodies. But this is where like the duality and the polarity and all of that stuff comes into it because, okay, so we don't fly away in our actual bodies, but when we journey, when we, you know, use all of those tools that we develop in our practice, then we do achieve those things, but there is a different way of doing the thing. Yes. So you have, yes, you have to be open up to feeling different things than you have been conditioned to feel right so like and just allowing yourself to be I keep coming back to this neurotypical (laughs) stuff now it's like stuck in my head because you're allowing yourself to go outside of that what outside of the typical for you and then all of a sudden it it isn't so hard and it is normal. Yeah. And, you know, you say it's stuck in your head, but actually the amount of conversations me and my colleagues have in my day job where we're working with these amazing, amazing kids who are, um, they have various diagnoses. Most, you know, autism is the main one, but um, there's, there's various other ones as well. But we work with these amazing kids that challenge us and make us see things differently because they're so blunt in how they put it to you. They don't necessarily have those same, well, I suppose it's down to their diagnosis in the way that a neurotypical child knows from an early age what they can say, what is appropriate, what's not appropriate. So like the kids will ask you, sometimes those questions they ask you, you could, (laughs) sometimes you just want the floor (laughs) to open up and swallow you. But actually, you think they're asking these questions and there's a reason why they're asking those questions, you know. Um, So actually, and I think for most of us who practice magic, we are searching for answers to those questions that for most of our lives we've been told, you know, this doesn't exist or you can only do this thing one way, you know. Um, And so when we begin to seriously study magic, the occult, the esoteric, it opens up so many different pathways for us. Yeah, and I think it's so important to remember when you're moving through your own life, what kind of world do I want to live in? Do I want to live in the kind of world that people don't ask questions about their reality if they have questions? Yeah. Because there are right now a lot of the worlds is is not asking questions. And if you do ask questions you are judged and shamed. Um, And that is, I mean, that's been going on for people for centuries, like judgment and shame rule um, and, and push our fear, you know, and like 
shape our lives. And so what if people were allowed to ask questions, even if they're things that you disagree with, and you could respond in a way that was kind and empathetic and just said your thing without it being a big no yeah I know exactly what you mean and you know it's important that we have those conversations it absolutely is um because when we talk about duality as well you know we often get hung up on one thing being one way for example if we take um if we take parents as a duality so you have the mother and the father we see the father as being someone who is stern and the mother is loving and gentle, but are they accurate? No, no. You know, in my beer group, um, we kind of, we do a lot of spirit work. So beer is in essence a spirit work practice. And uh, what I tend to do is I introduce my students to um, the main spirits who we work with in beer. And one of them is, um, Asase, and she is often regarded as a mother type figure, but actually, she's really aloof and cold, and everyone struggles connecting with her because I I think part of it is in their minds, you know, we describe her as a mother. Uh, she's she's a mother figure, you know, and so they expect her to be warming and loving, and someone who's going to come and envelope them in all of these amazing emotions and feelings but she's not, she's cold and aloof. And if we think about motherhood generally, and for example, birth, a long, hard birth, we say birth is this beautiful thing. And in a way it is beautiful, but have you ever seen anyone give birth? It's not beautiful. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So there are different different ways of being within a particular archetype or duality or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, or we could say also there is beauty in the fact that it is gritty, dirty, hard, miserable. And like there is beauty in an aloofness that is like, I don't have time for this shit. Yeah. Um, Get to the point. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yes. There's beauty in that too. So (laughs) I'm just, I, we have to challenge our expectations. Um, Why do we expect women to always smile and be kind? um, And we expect men to be aggressive. Why are like challenging those ideas for ourselves? Um, is really important. I think a lot of people have this duality idea about men are this way and women are that way. It's funny because I want to talk to women, right? Yeah. And it's only because it's mo- it's because I am a woman and I I haven't heard a lot from women in the occult um, so much. Yeah. And I want to hear other people that have similar experiences to mine because it helps open myself up. Right. Yeah. To, of yeah. course. Um, but I actually, but I do think <laughs> that we are all, like masculine and feminine is all one thing. Yeah. It's all part of the all like, yeah, there's like that passive and receptive energy. Um, and men are, have feminine I mean, men should be 
<laughs> having feminine yeah. qualities as well. Just like yin and yang, every like masculine has feminine and feminine has masculine. You want to have the balance. So that's why the point of it's so funny how we are these two separate sexes, but we're trying to be as balanced between the two as possible. Yeah. Yes, I agree. And I think it's so important in magic to find that balance because um, I, it's hard to explain so you know a lot of the time experience happens when we push those boundaries so when we go to one end of the scale or the other and that's fine that's good you know but we always need to be able to come back to that balanced place in order to fully kind of understand the lessons that we've learned at those extremes does that make sense absolutely yeah it I'm like it all reminds me of like <laughs> the Kabbalistic tree of life you know yes. um and and so I you know you don't want to just or the path right so you say you yeah. go the right path or the left hand path or up through the middle I you know I like the left hand path but of course, I wouldn't only, I mean, the path meanders. It starts yes. for me, it starts on the left yeah. and it goes through all the places. And so I am getting a balance, um, but I am definitely left hand starting, you know, yeah. Uh, which yeah. I love all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I feel like most people are probably drawn to one side more than the other but that's not to say that they aren't drawn to different aspects of that other side you know yes and, I and feel we like need I'm, both yeah and I feel like a lot of the problems occur when we are too rigid and we say no I'm not going to look at that stuff because I'm not on that path well you can you can like you say the path meanders it's a spiral isn't it you know that old <laughs> yes and if we don't look at the things that we're afraid of um then we could really if we don't examine the things that we're afraid of and actually look at them we could be not living in our own reality our own truth or knowing yeah. what it is that we think about stuff so we have taken the fear that has been taught to us to not look at something and then we're continuing that um and I'm not saying like you should all do demon work like <laughs> I mean we actually should do self-reflection work and our own personal demons but I um but I'm not saying like do yeah <laughs> you know what I mean I do know uh, proceed mean. with caution yeah and um like when we challenge those fears when we take the time to explore those fears and work through them that's where real growth comes from you know if we just took the easy path all the time, we would never grow. And you can see it in like, everyone knows I used to fight and I always go back to it, but they make such good analogies. And you yeah, see it cool. in like sports, for example. So you see fighters who they go through their early career and they win all their fights and then the media hype them up and they're feeling all, and then when they lose, losing is the biggest fear for them. So when these people lose, it either goes one of two ways. They either go to part and that's it and they never fight again because they can't get over that they lost because that fear is so huge. Or 
it goes the other way where, okay, they last, they come back from it, they learn from it, and they take those lessons, and then they do even better. If you look at all of the the best fighters, the people who you consider the best fighters of all time, so for example, um, Mike Tyson or Ali, you look at those people, they're not the best because they never lost, they're the best because they overcame those challenges. And I feel like it's the same in magic as well. If we fear something and then we are confronted by that fear, if we don't have those tools to really delve into why we're afraid of it, what can we do um, to overcome it and all of that stuff, then we don't really grow as witches, magicians, whatever you want to call yourself, you know? Yes, and then we're creating problems that don't exist. We're giving energy to things that we don't want to give energy to like being obsessed with not looking at something is this the inversion of looking (laughs) at it right it's like that is the exact opposite is which is what we're talking about like you're on one pole or the other like it's like oh if i if i get into this kind of magic i'm gonna be really scared and i was like well why do you have to go to the opposite extreme of it doesn't exist yeah. or it's the entire reality. Yeah. How about you meet in the middle and then you have some nuanced thought about that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I think for me, so I've already talked about voodoo a little bit, but all the lowers have their own symbols. And oftentimes in those symbols, what you see, which are the, the veves, oftentimes what you see are lots of different elements that represent different things because the lower are not just one particular thing, you know, as well. They have different elements and different parts to them as well. And I feel like we see a lot of that in lots of um, magical symbols, you know, if we if we look at sigils, even though they might not be ancient, but when we are creating sigils, we have an intent and then we break that intent down into lots of different things, all of all of its component parts, and then we put it together as a sigil, you know. Um and I feel like a lot of these ancient or not so ancient symbols kind of play into that, into the duality. It's as if we are saying hang on a minute (laughs) there's lots of different parts and I feel like symbols convey that better than words you know yes I agree words as we do this podcast (laughs) 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 it's they uh they fail often yes um but I also love it I like I love studying (laughs) words I'm like super into it but at the same because it's so lacking but also because words are magic Right. So if you're talking about breaking things down, like um, I speak Italian and French and I I studied a whole bunch of languages as a kid, like I was obsessed with language. (laughs) Um, And I was thinking about how the left hand, the left hand path and there's the right. And that's how you know what to do the right thing in the right way. (laughs) Right. Um, But in Italian, the left is um, a word that sounds very similar to sinister. 
oh, okay. which is evil, <laughs> right? So we have all of these, like the word for the left is evil. Um, and so like our words are insufficient to give information, but yeah. also our words have been created over centuries to convey things that we're not even aware of. Yeah. So symbols make so much more sense than words because they're less culturally I, I don't, I want to say, I guess culturally appropriated. They take it and then it turns into something and turns into something. And then the meaning of the original word is hidden from you, which is funny because it still has that energetic signature. Yes. Yeah, of course. Of course. Like think about left-handed people. When my aunt um, went to school, she went to a Catholic school when she was a kid she was left-handed and they used to hit her repeatedly with a ruler to learn how to write with her right hand yeah. and her handwriting was not as good I mean because she's yeah, not yeah. and so like she was evil for writing with her left hand where does this come from yes <laughs> yeah and so symbols just have a way of communicating the dual nature of the concept that we're using the symbol to kind of um I don't know, identify, you know? Yes, because the intention has an energetic, I, 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 this energetic feeling that you're conveying. Yeah. Um, and, and certainly the yeah. energy that we use when we use them for the lower it is, like you say, it's an energetic kind of signature, if you like. Um, and it feels more open about its energetic signature than sometimes words which are derived from this word to this word to this word over two centuries. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, so this, the, the energetic signature is hidden, whereas sometimes I think with symbology, I mean, of course, sacred geometry, it's, it, it, it's hidden until you can see yeah. it. Um, it, it. It seems more open i agree it does it does and the thing is as well and i know i keep talking about um vodou but that's because i practice it um <laughs> but you know each temple so like for example if we take papa legba i have i have the veve tattooed on my arm i don't know if you can see that jessica but i have it tattooed on my arm but you know, if you go to different houses or different temples, oftentimes the Veve differs slightly because of that group's understanding and experience of working with that lower. You know, generally they have the same features, but a lot of the time there are subtle differences in between the Veves of different houses or temples because of the different aspects they associate with that um, particular lower. You know, so I feel like symbols, we can change them to, they still hold the initial meaning, but by adding something a little bit extra, we can then broaden that meaning. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Because the meaning, not that it's changing over time, it's adding over time. Yes. You know, it's like the idea... I don't know. This is the, I don't know. The idea that like, okay, I've lived a thousand lifetimes and I am myself, but like, I mean, or like I have this ancestry, I am myself, but I have this energy that comes through of all of those 
into me. So it also informs who I am. So it's, so like I start out with this one thing that is this one symbol or one energetic signature, but because I'm me, it adds another piece to it. Yeah. And then as soon as we start adding other people into that mix as well, you know, um, because even when most of us practice, if you practice a solitary path or you have a solitary practice, which I think most people do, even if they're part of a larger group, nothing ever really happens in a vacuum. And we are the products of all of our different experiences. So we are all of the books we've read. We are all of the workings we've done. We are all of those little random bits of things we experience on the day to day. And so when we start kind of mixing with other people, the energy changes again and again and again with every encounter. Sometimes that change is so very subtle and you don't always notice it at the time until you look back years later and you think, wow, I was so different back then. That makes me laugh. I'm like, we're walking grimoires that are like adding and changing, you know, as we like other people, as we touch their, their energy and their practice. And then we have influence with them. Yeah. Those practices change and those people change. Like it's this like fluid. Yeah. Even when we come into contact with ideas and concepts that we don't necessarily agree with. um, But if, I feel everyone should take the time to at least explore something they don't agree with, you know, instead of just writing it off. Because I think when I first started my path, that's what I did a lot of the time. I had a very firm idea about what I wanted to do. So anything else that didn't come into that, or I felt was like, that was it. I wasn't even looking at it. But then you go back when you're a bit older and you look at it. And even if you don't then necessarily agree with it, but you take things from it, whether you agree with it or not. Sometimes what you take from it is just a firmer idea of actually, no, that isn't for me, you know? Yes. It, it, I was, I, I, all of my life, um, up until like my thirties, I was very, I, I my <laughs> sister-in-law called me like, what does she call me? Like the queen of absolutes. Like I'm, I'm a hundred percent for it or I'm a hundred percent against it. Um, and I had very distinct ideas about what I wanted and what I want things to look like and why it should be this. And, um, and then I started like examining why I want things to be like this and why would I allow this and who am I? And so I, and the thing is, I've always been really good at debating. It's like one of my favorite things. I love that stuff. Um, and I want to be respectful of other people. I think that part is fun. Um, but if you want to have a debate with somebody and you're not willing to consider their uh, thoughts on the matter, you're not going to be a very good debater because you're going to get emotionally invested then in your your opinion of the situation, yeah. um, which doesn't help. <laughs> no. So it's important to, if you allow you know, if you allow yourself to examine those other people's ideas and opinions, then you know that what you think is yours yeah. <laughs> instead of just something that you picked up along the way. Exactly. And then I feel like that's where 
duality starts to come into it because even if you don't necessarily take on that belief or take on some of that belief the fact that you have explored something you've sat down you've taken the time to at least understand what it is that thing is you know i feel that's where duality starts coming into it for us because we've already i don't know so i often in my mind envisage it as we're on a track okay we're on a single track going forward all the time and then every time we meet something so a concept or an idea or a form of magic every time we meet something our track broadens even if we don't necessarily incorporate that thing into our path the fact that we've met it and we've looked at it and we've explored it to me that is an aspect of duality um you know because when we never come away from those things totally unchanged you know yes and i think that it's a really good um tool too for like non-judgment because if you're not really thinking why you care about that or why somebody thinks something else and you're not really asking about it um you're not going to get to the deeper thoughts on why they think that and maybe have some empathy for where they are coming from yeah that doesn't mean that you would change your opinion or your idea or your knowledge but you might be able to come from it to to that knowing um things about people that you didn't otherwise know um and coming at things without having uh, being afraid yeah so I can see that broadening the track tremendously like I I like that idea like I hear this thing and I'm considering it and then you make the choice whether you believe it or not or whether you integrate it or not but you're still broadened by having even considered it yeah exactly you know I can always remember one of the and it was one of those times I look back at and you think actually that was quite an important um a time an important time for me so I have this friend and um like we go back years and years and years and years and they've had gone through some hard times in their life and when we you know we kind of came into magic together and they were very much into Wicca and there's nothing absolutely or nothing wrong with that but me at that time I was vehemently against it you know because <laughs> that fucking threefold law fuck that shit you know (laughs) and part of me still thinks that way however this person kind of changed my mindset a little bit in that they gave me a different perspective because what they were saying is because of the the hard times in their life they'd been through so much shit in their life that they didn't even want to risk bringing anything else bringing more of that into their life so for them you know, they lived by the, the threefold law in terms of the magical practice, at least. Um, but for me, I'd never even considered it. I'd never even looked at it that way, you know. And so it opened my eyes to that. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that, but it opened my eyes to that. And I always remember that as a as a kind of turning point. And for me, it was a lesson not to be so hard headed about certain things to at least explore them you know, for my, for me. Yes. Yes. Because everybody is coming from such a different perspective than our own. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's why 
we have philosophers that <laughs> people read for centuries. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're all coming from these different places and think we don't always have time to sit down and think our thoughts on things. We're just supposed to like, I got it. I get it. I hate it. I love it. Um, yeah. But what if we actually allow ourselves time to sit down and think about it? Yeah. <laughs> what do we actually think? I know. And I feel like all of these ideas about polarity and duality and is it good? Is it bad? They really feed into, and I know I bang on about it a lot, but folks, you're going to hear a lot more about it. <laughs> um, but it really feeds into like the capitalist system of, you know, and we're taught these things are bad. These things are good. So carry on doing the good, but actually they're not all good. So for example, the throwaway culture that we kind of have where you can go out and you can buy something and you can use it and then you can just throw it away and there's no consequences you know we don't necessarily think of the consequences because for a lot of us particularly in western industrialized countries those consequences they're not happening to us they're happening to some poor person thousands of miles away you know i think there was like a scandal a while back where the uk have like recycling targets and and so people separate all their rubbish which is great and you know they try and recycle more but actually what was happening was all of that plastic that people were recycling wasn't being recycled. It was being dumped in poor countries. You know, we the governments were paying those countries to take that rubbish. Um, and so for me, when we talk about duality and good and bad and all of those things, um, for me, everything goes back to like capitalism. You know that. <laughs> and- yes. And wealth comes at a cost. Paul and I were just talking about this, like to re-examine your idea about what is wealthy, because all of those things that wealthy people can have and maintain all come yeah. at a cost. And the cost is going to be at someone else's expense, um, like buying everything ready-made in plastic containers and it's not like I know a lot of people will just throw things in the recycling but that plastic is not recyclable we only can recycle like three of all of these kinds of plastic and or you didn't clean it out now you're you're but but you feel better mentally in your head that you did it but the truth is you didn't do anything um helpful at all But uh, so like all of these things that we would consider to be like these things that make our lives easier because we have money to do it do come at a cost. Like going, traveling constantly to and from other countries comes at a huge cost for like gas. And it's just to consider those things is all I'm saying. Yeah. Do you know what pisses me off? Now we've touched on that topic of traveling (laughs) is the carbon offsetting that rich people do when they hop in their private jets. It's just like a feel good gesture, you know, it's all performance. Everything is a performance piece these days, in my opinion. Like I, if you're listening to this and you didn't know, I think the government is nonsense and like it's all performative. Like we will paint a road and now that's and we've solved the problem. Nothing got solved. Nobody addressed anything. Nothing is fixed. Everything's exactly the same. But somehow tons of people are like, isn't it beautiful? Yeah. What plan? I mean, like I, I, it's thank God is 
<laughs> that I acknowledge that I live in a different reality than you because that's infuriating. Yeah. Like, um, and the other thing is what it is, is it, it, it's, it's like that same thing that I was talking about, like with awakening and ascension, people are like, and I'm going to ascend into some other yeah. thing. And you're like, um, instead of it being like you opening yourself up to like reality and vibration yeah. and, um, but like, you're going to be something different. Um, well, ugh, you will, you'll be something <laughs> different, but you're still going li- to be in your own life. Okay. Yeah. And then you're just making your life better by being introspective and finding the divine within yourself. But I digress. Yeah. Uh, but for me, all of those things, all the, you know, those things we've just talked about, about capitalism. And although we give very real world kind of mundane um, examples of that, it all soaks in to our magical practices. Because, as we've already said, we are people and those things aren't separate. They, you know, they all meet and mingle within us as individuals. So as much as we might separate them and categorize them, you know, nothing exists in a vacuum. And so what happens on the macro happens in the micro, you know, as above, so below and all of that kind of stuff. So all of these things soak into our magical practices and they're the kind of things like it's insidious we don't always realize it until we start discussing these things and then you might think oh yeah I didn't realize I do that or do you know what I mean um spirituality has almost been one of those things that capitalism tries to package and resell to us oh absolutely commodifies it yeah and sends us trite nonsense that is has the grain of truth but it doesn't give you any way. So the truth is there, but it's hidden behind things. Um, it's It reminds me of like, well, you could say like how every business, like I, they say Black Lives Matter and they put that up on Instagram. Yeah. But they're not doing, there's no change in that. Like um, everybody, breast cancer awareness. But, like, nobody is having any discussions about the rise in breast cancer, where it comes from, what we could yeah. do, all of the things that we as a community could help. It's all about the money aspect. Um, I'll just give this to this and then it will go away. Money doesn't make problems go away. It makes them not be visible to those that don't feel like seeing it. Yeah. Um, it, like, in my town where I live, we have homeless people living everywhere. Because Paul and I were talking the other day, and he was like, when I was a kid, uh, my dad used to take me, and we would feed homeless people yeah. at, the, at the shelter. And I was thinking about, oh, wow, it's it's much different now, um, because you would have to seek out homeless people to show your kids that this is like, we have to care about these yeah. people, and these are the things you do. Now, you don't have to go anywhere outside of your town to show your kids what's going on in the world yeah like reality is getting real close and so um it just reminds me of like the solutions are to make people that have money not be able to see what the problem actually is yes yeah and if we take that back to our spiritualities and to witchcraft practices you know one of my pet fucking hates is when people tie um bloody polyester or nylon ribbons to trees i hate that 
like oh i've no, i don't is it does it force something yeah i can't remember um so there is like in the uk there's a few magical trees where people go and they tie um ribbons to them um and the ribbon represents a wish or something they want and or sometimes it's just people adopt it you know it goes back to what you were saying there's a there's a kernel of truth in there somewhere Mm -hmm. the meaning is kind of lost to us now and so it becomes one of the things that people do and I can remember when I first started and um I'd said into in a group it was an in-person group as well and I was I, I really hate it when people do that because actually it's terrible for the environment you're not even using like natural material that will eventually biodegrade and like you're using nylon or polyester or you know um using that kind of stuff that's pretty much plastic um yeah and it's not good for and I can remember saying it and you know um and someone got quite offended because I said I thought it was a bit shit I didn't see the spiritual point spiritually what are you hoping to achieve by doing that you know and and for me, it just kind of signifies the commodification of um, our practices and our beliefs. And yes, like everybody has to have this certain crystal. Um, and then you're like, dude, listen, I do have some crystals that yeah. I really like. And that, like, it's yeah. great if you can have them, but we don't all have to buy them. Also, you could take a walk in the woods and find a rock that is like kick ass helpful like hey do you want to come with me and be a part of my practice yes i do okay you can do so you like there is this commodification of spirituality and like i mean like think about goop it's all about like there is a company called goop oh okay okay (laughs) there's a company (laughs) called (laughs) um it's like and they just want to it's like boxing up spirituality and selling it to people yeah and I just, uh, so be careful of that too. It reminds me of somebody that I know recently got like in Vedic astrology, you can have, they'll offer you remedies yeah. to, you know, work with a certain planet. Mm-hmm. And so you could get like a six-sided rejectra bead or yeah. wear, you know, yellow on Sunday, yeah. yellow, red, or orange, right? Like this kind of planetary remediation. Um and, and so people get these things, but they're also being offered information about how this planet's energy would affect them so that they know how to work with that energy. Yeah. And instead of working with the energy of that planet, they're just going to get the bead and be done with it. And now yes. it's over. So that to me is the is exactly what we're talking about, like that yeah. pinnacle of capitalism and in our spirit. Yeah, and actually what that is doing, it's keeping us on that single track by, you know, it doesn't um, acknowledge the duality and the nuance and all of those thousands, millions other aspects that, you know, come from doing the work. Oh my gosh, this like traumatically reminded me in the moment of like, confession as a child like in the catholic church uh you go and you just confess your sins and uh, my kids i was trying to explain it to them because 
they're not Catholic. And I was like, yeah, you go. And they're like, well, did you really tell them? Um, I was like, well, I didn't. I had you have to tell them something. Yeah. So like you made up stuff. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'd be like, yeah, I was rude to my mom. Um, but then it's like, but then all of a sudden you're absolved. You didn't have yeah. to um learn anything about your bad behavior or the thing that you sinned or made up that you sinned or the person because <laughs> you have to say something or else they'll be like jessica i know you sinned and you're like i don't know i'm 10 like I, i'm sure i did i'm a kid um but it reminds me too, like, and in those instances, you're telling this person all the things that you did that they have deemed bad. Yes. They, this is like somebody that could help you in a bad situation. Like if you were actually telling them the truth, they you would be explaining these things that you did probably because you need help. Yes. And they're just like, go do 10 Hail Marys. And then you're fixed. Like, and this might sound really dumb. Just a to- <laughs> bit of an aside but what is a hail mary is it like the prayer that i'm thinking of so you have you would have to like say that i don't know however many full of grace yeah and you go up to the front of the church so yeah i i would love to talk about this because i told my kids and they were just like totally and then they're like and then it's fine i was like yeah so you go in to these tiny closets where you can't see the the priest but they can see you oh and that's then you, so awkward it's so weird you have and to do that can, as a kid yes oh my For, gosh after your first conference or your what is it the thing that happens in second grade i don't know like your <laughs> holy communion you yes. like we and i went to catholic school like it was a um it was a small school um a really small school, like 20 kids. Um, but we would go to church every Friday and then we learned how to do, um, you know, go and, and confess our sins. And then oh, they prepared you, you for it. Yes. And then they tell you and you go to the front of the church and kneel down and say all your prayers and then you're forgiven. But like no one goes through why you've done things, what was wrong, yeah. how to fix it. There's no solution. It's just like this quick fix. Nothing happened. Yeah. That's like, sorry, I'm like so mean right now because I'm like, that's the right hand path. <laughs> the right way is to not actually go through the left. Yeah. Like it's sorry, I know I know I digress. It does keep on topic, but like to I, because I wasn't really brought up. I know in the UK people tend to say they're Christian because that's the default setting, but you know, you go to church when it's a wedding or I don't know, a funeral. You know, well, so. Catholics, I think that, that we is grow up in this cult and we don't realize it because it's perfectly acceptable. And so, like, I'll tell you that when I I stopped going to church when I was 14 and um, and I didn't go through my confirmation or anything, uh, but I was not exposed to any other churches. So I always just said I was Catholic because it's all the same to me yeah yeah <laughs> and then when I started traveling around I would go to these other churches I would stop at other churches and check them out like I'd be down south and go to a church or in California and go uh, just to see what would it would be like but they yeah. weren't Catholic and that was crazy and then I got married to somebody that has um 
a grandfather who is an ecumenical minister and like they like talk about protestants and baptists and all that i was like what (laughs) i we had to go to church and i was like who's this priest and paul's like that's that is not what we call like i had no idea because it is kind of like it's not kind of it is growing up in a cult and i it sounds mean when you use the word cult, but cult is just like this small culture that you grow up in. Yeah. Um, we live in one right now. Yeah. And actually, if we, look we at live what in a cult. If we look at what a cult is, it's actually the lack of duality, isn't it? Because you're on that yes. one. It's this way or no way. You yes. Know? If you, Our if entire you don't culture. do this, or if you do this and you don't, I don't know, hail Mary for it, you're a sinner. You, you know, you're either good or you're a sinner. You know? Yeah, you're either going to go to heaven and be a sheep or go to hell and be a goat. Yeah. I was telling my kid that the oh, other day, goats. and she was like, I love goats. I know. Why are goats the bad ones? I, I know, like, right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> they all have those crazy eyes. Yeah, they can be dicks. <laughs> we have a goat at school, headbutts everyone. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, we want a mini goat. Oh, uh, you should totally get one. But then shouldn't we have to get two? Yeah, I digress. I don't I have live. a lot of land. Somebody in our neighborhood walks their goat, which is just the funniest thing. Oh, my gosh. Walk, that is like, actually, literally my life oh, goal. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. If I see them next time, I'll take a picture. And then they live in the neighborhood, and they, t- they took over their front yard and then fenced it in and built – it looks like a cat – how yeah. like a like a cat's play structure but gigantic for goats and so when you drive past their front yard you could just see goats on perches like hanging out and it's a small space and they just yeah. walk them around i was like man but you know so what amazing. that it is amazing and if you think about like the processes that person's gone through in their life to get to that point where they've just thought i don't give a shit what people think like <laughs> yeah. that is left hand life goals <laughs> funny because um when I was a kid I remember I think like culture is like women you're not supposed to want to get older right yeah like oh like oh you're 30 are you so sad hell no like when I turned 40 people were like are you upset like why would I be upset I like the older I get the better my life is the less I give a shit about what other people think say and do I mean I I would never want to go back to being 20. Are you I kidding agree. me? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so 20-year-olds out there that are struggling, of course you're struggling. Life is hard. And I will tell you that you do not have to worry about it getting harder as you get older if you learn your lessons as you go through them. If you are introspective, if you are having a practice if you're thinking about it and shit you could go for 10 to 15 years without thinking about it and then once all of a sudden you think about it and your life gets better it's out there (laughs) yes yes to that Uh, (laughs) all right well we're trying to keep it at about an hour even though i feel like we could talk about this so much I did want to say one thing that I didn't get to talk about, which was like, I guess we'll have to have an episode on astrology and we can talk about it. But like in astrology, it's often um, this is good and this is bad. This is malefic and this is benefic. And those are the words. Um, And so then everything sounds really scary. And so to remember that just because something would be a malefic planet, I mean, Mal 
Like if you go back yeah. to the root word is bad, right? But we need to take those words out of our dialogues about astrology, energy work, um, duality. It's all of those things we need to rethink about the good and the bad. Um, so maybe some things will give us more of a struggle because we will learn more from them and we need to put it in. And that is not being like a love and light. I don't accept things. That is you acknowledging that struggle, if you can get through it, will benefit you. Yeah. I mean, it makes us stronger, doesn't it? You know? Yeah. It's like the the example that you give yeah. of fighters. Yeah. Losing and yeah you know you have to spar fucking hated sparring it was the worst but it makes you better so that when you do get into the ring and you do have a fight you know you've done that hard work and i feel like it's the same in our magical practices we get to the point we go through the work even the boring shit the hardship we do it all because it's from that that we grow and we ultimately get to where or hopefully get to where we want to be, or at least closer yeah. to it. <laughs> yes. So the next time you get the tower or death or the five of swords or the five of pentacles in a tarot spread, don't freak out. Think yeah. about it in that way. How, um, oh my gosh, I have an opportunity for growth. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we will be back whenever we want (laughs) to to have you listen to us chatter on some more yes (laughs) thanks for listening if you got this far thanks for hanging out with us take care folks bye